0: In the studio this week, we have a media journalist extraordinaire, Kate Bulkley. Welcome, Kate. Hi. Your second time on Talking TV. It's, I think it was about a year ago you came on, actually. My
1: guys, it been that long.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, also with us is Faraz Osman, the director of Lemonade Money. Is that it? director now? Is it or creator? Yeah, yeah. Still? I'm managing director at Lemonade of Lemonade Money, and
2: James is looking after it now.
0: So yeah. Have you been, have you been promoted?
2: Well, I mean, I've taken, taken a bit of a uh, share in, in the company, yeah, it's uh, nice. It's going well, it's going in the right direction, we're enjoying ourselves. And you're
0: fresh from your honeymoon.
2: Yes, yes, so the only TV that I've watched is the Indian cricket, like the World Cup, and that's it, that's, that's the only thing that anyone's good, watching no? in India, <laughs> yeah, it is. unless you're, you're in England and watching it, which <laughs> that hasn't been as good.
0: <laughs> we'll start with the BBC, the corporation has barely been out of the headlines over the past fortnight, as big names have been doing some big thinking about the BBC's future. After the Culture, Media and Sport Committee's measured report last week called for the abolition of the BBC Trust, the Governing body's chairman, Rona Fairhead, waded into the debate in a landmark address at the Oxford Media Convention on Wednesday. She used her platform to call for the introduction of an independent BBC regulator post-charter renewal to fix what she described as a fault line in the blurred accountabilities between the Trust and BBC management. Uh, in the middle of this governance sandwich, Director General Tony Hall also took to a stage this week to give an update on BBC Productions and talk about his vision to harness data to empower audiences. Uh, Kate, you were at the Oxford Media Convention.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's really only her second uh, really big public outing. And she's a very uh, professional very articulate woman. I mean, I have to say that I, I was impressed. Um, she delivered her speech a little fast at certain points. I think that, she, you know, this was a real media conoscente crowd, a lot of public policy guys, people actually know that. Yeah, pointy as they know their onions, so to speak, about all this. But I think that she made an incredibly savvy move. I mean, it was definitely a politically timed move. And she basically was saying, let's not defend the status quo here, because that's not, that's not going to be a winner. So she's basically just moving the BBC Trust, you know, further away from, from the BBC Governance Board, the board, you know, the way it was before, even further. So it's like it's, she's calling for an independent regulator, but basically it's, it's just moving where the BBC Trust was already, moving it a little bit further, away. further away. it's really it's a, I thought it was politically very savvy.
0: If you were a betting man or woman, you wouldn't be backing the BBC Trust to, to survive charter renewal, would you, Fraz? One of the problems with the BBC Trust is that it's called the BBC Trust. and And
2: I think part of the issue with this is the public need to need to be reminded and really feel like they own the bbc. And once you decouple those two things, it's it's important to figure out how we're going to do a good PR job to make sure that the public understand that they're paying for it. It's it's up to them to decide how it works and how it's put together. And an independent regulator is all well and good. But as soon as it starts feeling like that's a government controlled thing rather than a public controlled thing, I think you're going to get yourself into a little bit of muddy waters. So I think that once if, if we can kind of get those lines right, I, you know, I think it's it's great that you can feel like there's, there's more of a... a, a garden, a a bit of a hedgerow between the BBC itself and and the governing body of it that that feels like it's part of the public. But it's already been
1: a hedgerow. I mean, what what she's trying to do is not throw it in the lap of Ofcom. That's what she's trying to do. So the idea is that there would be an independent regulator, but it ain't going to be Ofcom, which I think is why it's so politically savvy. She's basically saying, we're going to make more of a distinction between, you know, what is now called the trust, which is supposed to be the regulator. And by the way, also the champion of the BBC, which has never been something that works in my mind. Basically basically saying, let's not do that. Let's move more of the functions back into the BBC executive that are obviously for the BBC executive beef up that board Create put a sort more of independent board with a yeah. chairman basically Ma- yeah, yeah make a a proper board in the BBC with a proper chairman which is supposed to be championing the BBC and overlooking the executives right and have more non-executives like he's already like you know Tony Hall's already done this Howard Stringer is a non-executive director right I mean it's a good idea so the idea I think is just making it more like more like a regular company, basically. But not saying, oh, well, we need we need to have Ofcom as the independent regulator. No, no, no. We'll have an ind- independent regulator, but it's not going to be Ofcom.
0: But she doesn't like the idea that the uh, Culture Committee raised last week about this public service broadcasting commission, which will have some say over the license fee and would have the power to effectively withhold funding from the BBC. She's not keen on that, is she?
1: No, and I mean, that makes total sense, because the whole idea is not to give the government, you know, the whip hand over the BBC. That's where you get into very dangerous territory, right? When when you can have yeah, politicians... It's got to protect, protect independence. <laughs> right, exactly.
0: And what about Tony Hall? You're, you're a big fan of data, aren't you? I am a big Kate, fan of data, Is yep. BBC doing enough? Is it doing it well?
1: Well, I think it was so funny, because it was like, Tony Hall gets up and says, hey, we're going to embrace big data. It's like, Well, gee, really? There's some guys that are ahead of you on this. You're about five years later, maybe. exactly. So it's good. I'm glad he's doing it. But, I mean, you know, all he has to do is, like, go and have a little tour of Sky IQ. There are 400 people over at Sky that have been crunching data for I don't know how many years now, based on sort of when they bought Experian, you know, they've just moved into that space so rapidly. You know, even David Abraham at Channel, Channel
0: 4. he have been doing that
1: for two years now? Is it three years? Uh,
0: Tony Hall was on the Channel 4 board as I, well.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's like, oh, gee, well, I guess you got your idea. But, you know, it would have been nice you have done it before. One thing I'll say historically about that is I remember when Eric Huggers was actually running, you know, BBC technology, whatever they called it at that point. Uh, and he was always saying, why don't we do more with data? Why can't we get that integrated more? So... You know, yes, they should do it. They've got lots of data coming from iPlayer and other places. But, you know, get your skates on.
0: And any other tidbits from Oxford?
1: And the other tip is oh, Ed, Ed Vesey. Vesey. Oh my God, he's unbelievable. He is such a good politician. I mean, of course, he was saying all these marvelous things about you know how good everything was, including local television. A stunning success. <laughs> a stunning success. Was tongue in cheek? That's the quote. Well, you know, he's you know he he's the kind of guy who can say those kind of things with a straight face, and the people were laughing in the audience, and the chair said, you know, why you're making you're making fun of this very serious question about local television? He goes, I'm stating facts. I can't help that they're laughing. I mean. It was we were all left wondering is he kidding or is he not but is I, he know. just
0: Boris Johnson light?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I suppose it wasn't going to tear down Jeremy Hunt right there as you know on the <laughs> no, election his, his campaign. he's his former boss.
0: That's enough pointy-headedness for us this week. Uh, we'll head over to ITV now. Broadcast revealed last week that the commercial broadcaster is in takeover talks with the voice producer at Talpa Media. It will be the latest in a long line of acquisitions that has helped boost ITV's production revenues 9% to nearly £1 billion last year. This figure was revealed in ITV's full-year results on Wednesday, which painted a very healthy picture. The commercial broadcaster's pre-tax profits increased 39% to £605 million on the back of revenues of nearly £3 billion. Uh, Chief Executive Adam Crozier was naturally upbeat, uh, but he couldn't resist having a gripe at the BBC for loading its schedules with goodies ahead of charter renewal. This, Crozier said, is largely to blame for ITV's ratings woes last year and in the start of 2015. Uh, Kate, let's start with Tauper, shall we? Uh, Do you think that would be a shrewd investment?
1: Um, it's going to be expensive investment. It's going to be one of the bigger potentially Potentially done.
0: about 500 million pounds, which would be nearly possibly, the same value as all three media. Yeah,
1: or possibly even a little bit more. I mean, uh, John DeMaulle is not somebody who likes to, you know, sell his assets for cheap. I think it would be shrewd. I think it is expensive. I think one of the things that the city always worries about with um, Mr. Crozier is you don't want to sort of make too many big bets that are going to be capital sucks, you know, too quickly. So what they've liked about his current strategy with buying sort of bits and pieces of, independent production companies and smaller ones even though left fields quite quite big but i mean the other ones have been relatively small is that they've been easily digestible from you know a capital standpoint this is a kind of a a step change on the other hand it's got some you know some assets that ITV lacks in the sense of if his big strategic moves are global formats and programming that travels, well, clearly, you know, Talpa can deliver that kind of stuff with things like the voice and, you know, the big brother sort of heritage. So I think, yes, I think it's a shrewd move. It's going to be capitally intensive, let's put it that way.
0: Fraz, what do you make of ITV? Remarkably resilient results I, I, given the ratings like problems. Bulletproof, don't they? You kind of <laughs> sure. feel like you're ready to kind of go. Well, oh, they've not had a very good year, and
2: then suddenly they go, "Oh yeah, 40, profits up forty percent." I mean, Adam's yeah. done a, an incredibly good job of. Of almost having one protect the other, where the, where the channels not doing very well, ITV Productions is doing incredibly well, and and that, that, that kind that's of shrewd... that's strategy in action. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he wanted
0: to make sure that half of ITV's revenues come from sources other than traditional advertising. And it's,
2: it's 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 great. Not only is it works, but other broadcasters are now replic- are replicating it with what Channel Four are doing with their growth fund and what the BBC are doing with with spinning off um, BBC Productions. It's the it's the right move for the current climate of of where broadcasting is. So you know, hats off to him. He's done the right thing, and it's he's making it work. You know, this is this is lovely, isn't it? Can you imagine being in a situation where ITV have a problem with finding a shiny floor TV show? So let's let's buy the company that has you know has the greatest heritage in making this right. I mean, that's that's such a luxury to have right there. Um, I, I would say though that people keep saying Big Brother and The Voice. So I'm I'm interested to see what else is in that pipeline. You know, he's he seems to have a very uh, very lucrative company based on those two. Big names. And Utopia.
1: Be... Did you Utopia do well? No, it's tanked. No. Yeah, yeah, so you know, I mean, what's he done lately? Yes, yeah, so that is that is a question. You're right.
2: But also, I mean, what, you know, we we talk a lot about Rising Star, and it'll be, I, I don't know what the final figures were for the development of that, but. You look at the development costs of that versus the investment costs of buying something like Tauper Media, you know, it's it's about where you where you want to spend your money to solve a problem. Saturday night and and on big shiny floor T V shows are really important to ITV. They
0: need to solve that problem. Let's spend some money and get it solved. And what do you make of uh, ITV laying blame on the BBC for its ratings problems? It's broadcast politics, isn't it? Oh, I mean yeah. it's <laughs> like, definitely yeah, it's, I, it's, I I think that, you know, you need a Deflect little bit Deflect attention stuff, but, away from what's course. actually going on, really. Is, is that is that, the, is that the strategy
1: well I mean you know the thing is that linear viewing is falling overall i mean full stop you know it's i mean this is this is going to be a progressive decline i mean you know we're not going to get away from that fragmentation is here, you know other devices are here blah 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 so I mean we all know that it's a question of how fast and how much how quickly it's going to start hurting you, but I think this whole thing of oh well, they have too much stuff on air so we couldn't compete i mean come on. <laughs>
0: Uh, no, he's a, he's a savvy man. Uh, we'll move on. Finally, this week, it's our commissioner of the fortnight. Uh, BBC One has lured Tracy Ullman back to the UK from America to front a new sketch show. Ullman is best known for Fox's The Tracy Ullman Show, which ultimately gave rise to The Simpsons. Uh, Channel 4, meanwhile, has turned its back on the uh, sketch show. Comedy boss Phil Clark believes that viewers find it harder to invest in the genre in the on demand age. Fraz, what do you make of this?
2: The thing that springs to mind, particularly with what Channel 4 is saying around sketch shows, is if you look at what the US are doing with Saturday Night Live, John Oliver, um, Kean peel they they've done a really good job in the US of taking sketches, putting them online, using them to promote the channel, be it Comedy Central or be it NBC or whatever it might be. And it feels like we're almost a, a little bit behind with that. And it would be nice to see sketch shows being commissioned with that online digital world in mind where it's like, well, here's a sketch. It's really funny. By the way, you can see more on our broadcast channels over here. So not getting that right would be a mistake, and I think that we need to see more of that from from British comedians and British voices. It gets shared. Good sketches get shared online, and then those sketches... I mean, the John Oliver show is a great example of that. That show is, is pretty much... The success story has been by people sharing his huge monologues and putting them on Facebook, and then everybody going, oh, there's a show on HBO... Where I can see more of this, and that's why that show is. Expensive. But isn't that slightly different to a sort of traditional sketch show where you have characters? But sketch shows, sketch shows are effectively lots of three-minute. Gags put mm. together. And if you take the best. Which one, work and- well in an internet world. Exactly. Like, and you take, you take Saturday Night Live and you take Key and Peel. Key and Peel is a huge success story internationally. And the reason for it is because they are very shareable sketches. And that has helped Comedy Central continue to push forward new formats and, and that new talent. And I think that if you can do that, that's. I think that that's where the the Maguana show on on, when it was on Channel 4 that didn't really happen you didn't see people sharing her sketches along the way whereas now she's been doing stuff on Charlie Brooker I have been seeing those little clips people clipping them out and putting them on Vine and putting them on Instagram and, and sharing them along the way because they're funny and you can do that and so
0: she's, she's just been commissioned to make a pilot for BBC Two exactly. as well. So. And
2: I think, I think that that's, that's right. I think that if we can get that right, that's, that works in this comedy world. But you need a good mixed comedy diet of, of good sketch shows, good sitcoms. You know, what, what ABC are doing with Modern Family, again, is, you know, they're, they're nailing it. And if you can get a good mix of it, that's the way to do comedy. So Channel 4 should think twice before battening down the hatches and I, saying no to sketch shows? I think, I think particularly when you look at what they're doing with shorts and comedy blaps, you know, if they can get that right, where there's a there's a symbiotic relationship between people sharing their content online, that will help their new platform with, with all four. And it will help, you know, bolster their, their comedy output where people feel like, you know, people shared Toast of London so much. And like, you know, the few, the few short gags they clipped out along the way. You know, if you can do that with, with self-contained sketches and use that to help promote the Channel 4 comedy brand, I think that's a no brainer.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, they're, they're, they start with the shorts. As as you say, that's the really thing that's shareable, blah, blah, blah. And then if it works, then they commission something for the, the channel. I guess that's a great strategy.
0: What, uh, do you know much about Tracy Allman?
1: Well, when I think about Tracy Allman, I always think of The Simpsons because that's where it started. And it's sort of like, well, that's interesting. Gee, she's been away. How long has she been out of this country now? 15 years?
0: Yes. 20 uh, years? I, I, mean, not, I, I don't
1: know the answer, I mean, really. it's like the 80s, you know, uh, late '80s, maybe when she disappeared. But, so, you know, but I mean, yeah, she's like really premier talent. Whether she'll come back and do something interesting, you know, again here, I don't know, but certainly sort of that idea of... Uh, you know, sort of animation and, you know, her kind of funny humor. I think it'd be great to have her back. So we'll see.
2: And I think that, that's, that there's a huge opportunity there to find some new British animation talent. You know, if, if they've got that show there, people are going to go, oh, maybe we can find the next Simpsons here. I hope Shane takes an opportunity to kind of speak to some animation houses and, and see if there's a, a new breakthrough animation that we can find in the UK. We're
1: getting an animation tax credit, hopefully, right? Is mm. that coming there through? There is an animation exactly. tax credit. Exactly. So, you know, that'll help too. So Stars I think line. that's great. Animation is like really good stuff.
0: Uh, that's the news for this week. Thanks to Kate and Ferraz.